Ready? Welcome to Two Wash-Ups of One Pro with Tina and Jojo. We are finally here with proper podcasting gear. It took us about 35 minutes to get Joanna on and myself. With Parker Finnemus help because I mean, we had some microphone issues, but we're here. We're, we're here. ready to chit chat about week two of the Challenge week Cup. Two of the Challenge Cup. We're bringing you a good fun of fun fun facts and some of our takes, sleepers, players. Maybe even talk about some doggies. Um, we got a lot of uh, things coming your way. So, uh, Joe, do you want to start us off? Let's talk about. We had four games four that we games. covered. Talk to us about this uh, Gotham FC and Orlando Pride game. I mean, one, it was so good to see Orlando back at home. I do have a soft spot for that stadium. Just you do. Um, you have everything soft spot Orlando. I do. I, I loved it. I love my time there. Orlando, for all the two Wash Up One Pro listeners, I love taking stats and taking notes. I'm about to dish you some stats. I also feel like this mic is hiding my face, but I'll get over it. Um, Orlando had 17 shots and seven shots on goal. Sid LaRue had seven shots. Taylor Corning had five shots. Now, it's pretty crazy to think Orlando is only missing Alex, whereas McCall's or Boney was missing for Gotham and Midge and Carly due to international duty and Kalen Sheridan. So you kind of got to weigh that as you look at the game. It was, we just got off an Instagram live with our girl, Mandy Freeman, to watch Gotham be so calm playing out of the back with Mark, the way Mark likes to press, for them to be able to break the press. I thought that that showed a lot of bravery on, I was about to say Jersey, uh, uh, but you know, Gotham FC, showed a lot of bravery for them. I think poise as well is the word. Poise, yes, very poised, very poised. And I I thought, I think it's that the, it's going to catch up. If Orlando doesn't put away their, their chances early on, Sid LaRue got on on a breakaway. She was my breakout player that I chose. So kudos to her for making me somewhat look good, but she had a great opportunity to, to put them, put them up one zero early in the game. Um, And when you don't take those chances early, you kind of, as a player, get that sinking feeling. You're like, Oh no like soccer is a cruel game. And if you, you're the team applying pressure for, you know, 80 minutes of the game and you turn off for one second and Gotham FC puts away their chance, you lose the game, you lose three points. And for me, I think it was a tale of Gotham FC being poised, being brave, waiting for their one chance. And then Paige, I, I want to, I want to say it's Monahan. That's how we say her name. We're going to have to fact check that, but Paige Monham, you know, completely, you know, sprinting in on the back post and tucking it away. I think Orlando has got to be frustrated with that goal. Um, but I think it's, I think it's an interesting, I feel like I just want Orlando to get it. I just, I just, I feel like the pieces are there. I just want them to put goals in the back of the net. What do you think? Yeah. I, you know, I do think that goal scoring is for sure. A need I mean, it's for everybody, but yeah. I, I will say I'm I'm a little I'm a little worried about the back line. I think they're still trying to find their way. Um, 
But to be fair and being a former, you know, defender, we just talked to Mandy about it. It's, they've had a lot of changes on the back line. And I think it's hard to kind of find that continuity as a group, despite having Ashton in goal, which is a great help. PK um, PK Yeah. I think that they just, they're, they're trying to figure that out. And unfortunately in this league, it's in a challenge cup series when you don't really, it's not like a season, right? You can't really like waste any games to get it together. Um, it's challenging. What I will say is, is that I do think Orlando is showing a lot more resiliency. Yes. Like I, I hate to say it, but that was, you know, it was a great goal for Gotham, but I think it was kind of a deflating goal for, for the pride. Mm -hmm. And I think that they didn't lose the game, which is important. And I know yeah. it's like annoying, right? Cause you walk out of a game like that and you're like, Oh, well, like, great. We lost. But I think there is positives to take like a year ago. What is that game? Is it a three, nothing game? Yeah. You know, like, does, does that deflate the team? Um, and like we talked about, it, it's a tough league right now. Like the, they're, you know, the, the thing I love most about soccer is like, even the best team sometimes doesn't win, right? It takes one and, goal to win a game. And what I think is really cool. And uh, she's going to be on our, our next Instagram live is Marissa Vigiano, a fourth Secret. round draft pick out of Northwestern came in to Orlando when I came in at halftime I checked because she's such a pivotal player I think for that team that goes so unrecognized and so unnoticed at halftime she had a 95 percent passing completion she's so important to the team and linking players and linking play when Marta you know maybe is double team Marissa is the one that's picking it up and, and being able to break lines and she does such an unbelievable job of Mark's big on shadow pressing where when you press, you have to make sure that the defender that you're leaving is in your shadow. So AKA shadow pressing. So then that they can't play that person that you're leaving, if that makes sense. And yeah. Marissa from day one caught onto that and understands she has such a high IQ completely understands that. And I think it's, you know, a huge credit to her because I think she's an amazing person and human being and such a great soccer mind. And I think she goes really, really unnoticed in this Orlando pride team, just because she's five foot three <laughs> doesn't mean she should go unnoticed. And I think, you know, she, well, I think too, in the midfield, sometimes it's the most like players that are connect, constantly connecting. They're not doing anything that flashy. Correct. But at the end of the day, that they're a big piece to keeping it, the team and, functioning. And yeah. I, and I, Getting off that topic, I think that we saw a lot of that in the Chicago-Portland game yeah. and in the fact that there's so much strength in the middle of the field for Chicago, but they just cannot get into the final third like they want to. Mm -hmm. um, I found it interesting that Rory decided to go with the 4-2, four, four which they haven't played in a very long time. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is just like with some injuries going on, obviously Mal hasn't played yet and they, they have some people out on international, but um, you know, Portland, I think Portland too, like as much as they're just really opportunistic yes. and um, they have two looking wins. back at it, I mean, they had, what was it? 54% of the possession was Chicago. I mean, box to box Chicago dominates teams. But unfortunately, like that is not where games are won. Um, yeah. And so it's important, right? Like you need to win the midfield to win a game. And they do that, which is like the hardest, I think like the harder part of the game, right? Is to win the midfield from box to box. The problem is, is that 
beyond that, they're just not creating enough chances. And like, you know, the goal, it's kind of an odd goal because like, to be honest, like that doesn't happen to Casey Short often Mm -hmm. and credit to Morgan Weaver. I mean, she got right on her back shoulder, got in good position. And um, I think it's, it's a a good example of like, if you're a forward, it's a great example of like where to put a ball to make a goalkeeper basically have no opportunity um, to save it. But yeah, I just, I felt like the whole game, I'm watching it. I'll be honest, a little bit, sometimes it was hard to watch because it's like, it was just like a battle between 18s, not as many chances as you would have expected. Um, but Portland had more of the bigger opportunities in the match, despite not really controlling the, the game itself. And that's um, also with Simone, you know, out on, on red card, sub, sub, Jesus. So can I speak? Suspension. Suspension. Yeah. Lord. And yeah, I mean, they, they definitely, they you know, definitely Mark wasn't there on the sidelines. Right. I know. Um, I, I think it's just super interesting and Portland coming in and getting, I feel like, you know, they're two and oh, they're two and oh, and have they played their best soccer? I don't know. Oh, for sure. Not. I mean, they don't even they, have, and I would say Haran win. really like is the, yeah. she's such a big piece for them. Yeah. In terms of connectivity and getting them around. But and that's what you want. Her. That's what you want out of your team is when your international and your big name players are gone, can everybody step up and can you get three points? And I think Portland- and we'll get, we'll get more into that, but I think what, what the point you're making and that's right is that we talked about it with this season with all this international duty going on due to the Olympics, the team that's going to, that's players pick it up in those losses that's the teams that are going to be there in the end. Hint, um, hint, wink, wink. That's what we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Talk to us about uh, Louisville, Washington. Well, I'm excited. State. I'm excited about this one. I mean, first off, there are four UNC players on the field. So I just got to oh, shout gosh. out. She's always got to shout that out. I mean, so proud of all those players. Taylor Otto making her first appearance. Emily Fox, Doreen Bailey, Paige Nielsen, all players that I was lucky enough to play with. So huge shout out to the Tar Heels. I got to slide that one in there. Um, but Washington from, from the beginning, I've said it, they're, they're threatening, they're fast, they're entertaining, they're young. They're very entertaining. They're fun they're to watch. Re- they're resilient. And it, it's those three of Ashley, San- Ashley Sanchez, Ashley Hatch and Trimmy Rodman. I mean, that's going to cause problems, not this season, not the next season, but every season after that. And, you know, it comes on when, you know, the 95th minute or stoppage time, Ash, you know, Trimney Rodman, you know, I think it was also interesting too, which I, I didn't actually tell you, I saved it for the pod is it's the number one draft pick against the number two draft pick. Emily yeah, Fox. I just saw back. that. And I was like, that's a good yeah. note. Yeah. Emily Fox at left back and Trimney Rodman at right back. And I think the entire I mean, right game, forward, right forward. Yeah. 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 Sorry. My bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Right forward. But the entire game, Foxy kind of had her number. Um, Trinity was, you know, having to cut in and that definitely made it tough on her. She made it tough on her, but you know, she was able to get in, get it a lovely ball. Ashley Sanchez comes in and finishes it. I mean, it's, it's massive. And I think on the other end with Brayson Louisville is Cece Kaiser still just, she's so threatening every time she gets on the ball, She's making a penetrating pass. She's making a penetrating dribble. It's threatening and it's exciting and she's fast and she's entertaining. And, you know, I think that was, even though the game was zero, zero up until the 90 stoppage, 90 plus, 
the game was very, very entertaining. And I think it's a, it's a glimpse into the future of what, you know, the NW still can be and what our U.S. national Especially with such young teams, you know, and I think, I think one thing that can be really high for Washington with um, Tiffany Rodman is like, one Trinity, I'm sorry, uh, Rodman is she, she's so young. So young. And um, polished. I mean, like, but also like to get in a game as a forward and and have some trouble starting out, but yet still impact. Like at the end of the game, right? Like you have to live with those games as a forward. Like Trinity's what? She's 19, 18. 18. Like you're sitting in a position where it's like some games, nothing's working for you. But at the end of the day, if you can get a goal, if you can get an assist, you did your job. And so to be still making an impact some way on the field, I feel like that needs to be called out. And when they subbed her out of the game, you could tell that the coaching staff was excited because that, you know, to have that kind of impact. Well, I also think it's interesting too, because the entire game, the color commentator was saying, you know, she's been way more when she's playing the nine, she's been more dangerous. And yet she still figures out a way to change the game out at right wing. She still finds a way. So young. I mean, so young. And, and this is nothing against, but like, you know, playing at UNC, Emily has a bit of experience, especially with the national team as well. I mean, this girl's played against top level, you know, Trinity, it's like, she's already making a mark and she doesn't have that experience. So it's, it's exciting to see. I'm like, the more she plays, the more opportunity she gets, you know, I would imagine at times she'll make it to the national team level. It's like, she's only gonna get better, which is kind of scary to think about because she is, has so many intangible, like the speed, the pace, but she, she's shown you already. She has the touch. She has the skill. Um, She's gonna have a good Also too, when they pulled CC Kaiser, I know I don't, when they pulled her and subbed her, Washington scored. I mean, I don't know how much that was affected, but it's, it's something to, you know, I think she's a huge, she's definitely one to watch. I think moving forward in this challenge, we'll see how she progresses and if she can stay consistent, but uh, I mean, before we move on Dorian Bailey, once again, the same as I think, you know, as I chatted about with Marissa is Dorian has youth national team experience, but she is so pivotal to that team. And the commentators also mentioned that Richie also has, has said that as well as you don't realize what she does, but she's so fast. She can use both feet. Yeah. She links play. She's strong as an ox. She's fit as a fiddle. All of the analogies above, like, well, I'll, I'll later, I'll get, I'll get into it a bit later, but I think yeah, she, I'll let you get into that later. Yeah. I'll slow my roll. I'll slow my roll. What'd you think of um, uh, the good old rain versus Houston dash? A little nil nil. You know, uh, I watched the game in fall and I've told you this before, but this is, I, I think teams are going to struggle playing at Seattle. Uh, it's just a really challenge. And I hate to make that part of the topic, right? Cause you just want to focus on the players and the, you know, styles oh, of play. Yeah. But the field's difficult. It's very small. Um, which usually, right, you think is a dream, but at this level, it just makes things really challenging. Like, I remember I'm watching it and I'm like, I mean, I'll be a Joe for a second and throw some facts at you. Yes. But I had to, I had to like look it up because I was watching this game and I'm like, there's just like, there was no fluidity. I, I couldn't get into it because I'm like, the possession is so, the, the, the change of possession is happening so often. Houston. Orang, Houston, or I'm like, I feel like I'm in like a 
I don't even know. Like, I'm like, just every minute I'm, I'm I mean, you're entertained because you're watching because you're like, if I lose sight of the ball, I don't know who has it and if they're going to score. Kind of felt like a hockey game, which yeah. is not a good I mean, way to it, say it. Feels. That's kind of how it So, feels. you know, we had 11, to, 11 shots to eight. Great. Um, I think which was more striking is that O'Reign had 29 crosses to Houston's 14. I mean, 29 opportunities. When the field in, is that small, you can cross it from anywhere. And then also, I just think naturally, on a field like that, things get very physical. Yeah. So 16 fouls to 10 fouls, I mean, 26 fouls in a game. It's like, I think it's also frustrating too. At the, you know, I think it, it puts a lot of the game in the ref's hands where they're trying to yeah. control a game. You lose the ability to kind of create you know, a possession, move the ball around. And, and there were moments. I'm not insinuating that there was no moments, but um, I think O'Rain, to their credit, I think they're trying to find their rhythm. I, I see it. Like, I see something special there. I think they have a lot of new players. Unfortunately, Ali Long got injured in warmups, I believe. So she didn't play, which is, she's usually a staple for them to move the ball through the midfield. Um, but her replacement came in. The Brazilian came in and, and she was, Fantastic. She played almost 90 minutes and I think she did well coming in like last second to play. Um, and then obviously Houston, Houston's very good at their game. Yep. They're very good at their game. I will tell you, if there's, if there is one team that are going to make it really, really hard on you to score, it's Houston. I mean, they were getting just completely overwhelmed in the box and I mean, 29 crosses yeah. and on a field where every 26 fouls. So every single foul is more or less an opportunity because at this level, people can literally hit a ball in the box from over the half line. Yeah. So they're also, I mean, <clears throat> call it out for what it is. Sophia Huerta had a, a great game for Olrain. I felt like she really got herself involved on a lot of the offensive opportunities and had a great chance. But my player of the game you was Lindsay. That. Lindsay Harris. I mean, Tar Heel. First, first of all, Go Heels. Yeah, we know, we know, we know. Go Heels. Created to be a Tar Heel. Anyway, and so, <laughs> you know, just sitting in her position, I think like it's a huge advantage to Houston to have her as a backup to Jane Campbell because these are moments where she steps up. I mean, two starts, two shutouts, um, and just looks so solid. Like, yeah didn't feel overwhelmed. I did, you know, every time she's getting flustered in the, the, the 18 with shots, every time it stuck to her hands. I mean, yeah. Sophia had a, quite a chance. I'm talking like a great volley off the ball stuck right to her hands. Yeah. And I just think it speaks a lot to um, her maturity as a player to be able to kind of step right in and have that influence um, on a team that that's, you know, to their credit, had a great, obviously won the challenge cup, but I think too, in the back line is like every team right now, we're still figuring it out early in the season. And, um, and I, I think that's massive for Lindsay because I played, I get confused with my redshirt year, um, but I, she was only a year older than me. So I was able to see her grow as a goalkeeper. I mean, the kid would just freaking come out with them. She's like a spider monkey. Like she, she's so freaking quick and so yeah. agile. And she's very athletic. So, you could tell so just athletic. by her demeanor. She's yeah. so, she's an unbelievable basketball player, like a sick basketball player. And even better, like we would, I would draft her to play on the field when we were playing at UNC. That's how talented she is. And that's how good she is on, on the yeah. ball and with her feet. Like we played pickup in the summer 
And like, I would want her on my team because she's scoring all the goals. She just loves to play on the field and she has, you know, she spent time overseas and I think she's really matured as a goalkeeper. And I'm so, and she's from, she's from Texas. She's from Texas. And oh, nice. Yeah. So for her to get that opportunity and to have two shutouts, especially when your team, you know, hasn't scored either, that almost puts more pressure on you to make sure you have a shutout. You can't let it. She's doing her job. She's doing her job. And I I couldn't be more. It'll be, it'll be a a great advantage for them as they continue this season to, you know, even beyond the Challenge Cup, right? With Jane probably most likely being on the Olympic roster, I think it'll be really helpful for them to kind of have someone like that to come in. I agree. Um, but yeah, right. those are lots of the games. We got through all the games. Me and Joe wanted to talk about uh, our takeaways, you know, coming out of the second round of games. You know, I think the the challenging part about the this series is like you, as quick as the first game comes, comes the last game, and then you're right into like the playoffs and getting to the cup. And um, so for me, I'm going to start, Joe. Careful with okay. that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my team is is the team I want to really touch on is Racing Louisville. Um, obviously had the loss this week, but I think what's exciting about them is that there's just like this chip about yep. them. I think we talked about it before off pod, but I think you know when you're made up of primarily draft picks and kind of like cast offs. I hate to say them, th- th- that's not how I look at them, but I think like in a way, I think people could label it that protected. way. They weren't right. Your your players that you're, you know, and I'm sure some of them it was by choice, right? Like not everybody is just like I'm yeah. sure some of them maybe wanted a new opportunity and the team honored that, which is great. Um, but obviously, Racing Louisville saw them all as talent, which they are, and made good selections in there. But you know, not all of it. It wasn't like they had like free reign to pick a player from every team. So the first of all, the ability to bring all these players together and create on the field, which like everyone, right. I think they're still figuring out their identity, how they want to play, but there's just something about them that like, there's a chippiness. Like you could tell they're all kind of like, all right, cool. You thought I, well, I mean, it just shows. Now I'm going to come every single game. I'm going to bring everything. And you seeing it in like their leadership. I think Savannah McGaskill is having a great season already, totally influencing the game um, even more than she did with Chicago Yuki, I think Yuki's always been an underestimated player. Oh, yeah. Um, completely. I think, like, her presence as, like, a veteran is really big for them. She's also a great personality. And she's just a calm. Nice she's just calm. She just, she just, she's a, she's a pro. She's a, yeah. she's a pro. Um, and then I think also, great, we talked about CeCe Kaiser. And I think, interesting part is, like, you know, this is her first opportunity to have a big influence and to kind of take on that opportunity and really sees it is exciting. Um, and we talk about it all the time, but I feel like we need a lot more players like that, right? We need to create more brand around the non-national team players. And it's so critical to kind of establish that on these teams, especially the newer teams that don't necessarily have a lot of allocated players. Who's your team? What's What are you branding your team around? Um, and I think, you know, to the credit of national team, it's difficult, right? Like I give a lot of the national team players credit. It's hard to kind of step away, be on the international stage, playing all these countries and then expect it to come right back into your team and perform. So it's nice to see girls stepping up and saying, okay, like we respect their talent, but this is my chance. Here's my opportunity to show this team that I can have an influence. That goes into straight into kind of like my point is that 
these non-national team players, these non-allocated, these non-international players are really taking advantage of this opportunity, which I think in the past has been tough. But for some reason, with the platform of the Challenge Cup, with it being a tournament and with there being certain, you know, the allocated games that you're getting, you know, which games the, the national team players are going to be gone. They're able to submit their, you know, their names in the league without the national team players too, which I think is really, really an interesting point is these players are playing great without the help of the national team players. So the only, when the addition of the national team players comes back, I mean, Katie bar the door, the, the league is just going to rise even higher than it is right now. And I think something that's something that is super, super exciting is I think the NWSL, you know, for a really long time struggled to maintain relevance in, in, in having those faces of the league that weren't affiliated with the national team. And I think that that's starting to kind of turn. And I think that's, needs to happen in order for the league to be super relevant and super sustainable. And, you know, like the young players, these Trinity Romans, these CC Kaisers, we keep mentioning their names, Ashley Sanchez, Taylor Corniak from Orlando, Paige Monahan. like these players are making massive impacts on their club and that can only be a positive, can only sure. be a positive. Yeah. And I think, you know, to call it a team that comes to mind for me, it's like, you look at a team like Washington, and I think people forget too, like North Carolina has been so dominant, but I don't think they remember that some of those players, like an Abby Donkepper, when I was in camp with North Carolina, Abby Donkepper hadn't been called to camp yet. Yeah. And I remember Paul being like, she's going to be in the national team. And I think he had that approach too. He saw a lot of young talent players. He figured had an opportunity and he brought them in and it's, it was nice because then they could create like this continuity as a, as a club team and then go, it wasn't like you're ripped out, you're ripped in, you're the ripped out, you're ripped in. First. The team was built first. So I think what's challenging sometimes is, is some of these teams that have four or five allocated players, they didn't create that yet. And, and, and we talk about this all the time and I don't think people realize this. It's like, because the US has been so dominant as an international, on the international scale, we consistently look at like, well, just put great place, players together and you're gonna, you're gonna win games. It's like, but not really anymore because the talent level has, there's so it's so much higher now competition and and let me interrupt you sorry but also i think in the past the nwsl lost players because of how the league was run and clubs were run and i think right. now maybe the league is able to get those players that maybe decided that they weren't going to play because it wasn't a, a sustainable life maybe they're, you know, we're retaining the talent. Oh, I mean, let me just say this right now on the pod and I, I'm sure I'll talk about it more later, but like yeah. there are many players and you know them as well that like are working daytime jobs right oh, now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Would be top players in the league. And okay. that's, again, not all those, not all those decisions are the NWSL's fault at all. I think some players just didn't want to, you got to be in the mindset to play professionally. You don't, yeah. um, but I think that's a hard thing for people to hear, right? Because you hear all these men's stories, frankly, and it's like, oh, he just wasn't good enough. He couldn't yeah. make it. He tried, but he couldn't make it. So he had to get it like, you know, he had to make money some other way. It's like, that's not it's necessarily the case for a lot of women soccer players. I'm not going to speak for other sports because I'm not, you know, in that space, but like, yeah. I can assure you there are many players that just, it wasn't the lifestyle they wanted. And, and I give a lot of these girls credit. It's like, there's a lot of aspects to this, you know, 
and I don't want to go on a tangent because we have a lot more to talk about, yeah. but it's just, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of girls right now that are, it, it's beyond just the, the passion is what's driving them. There's no, you know, extracurriculars or extra money necessarily that's driving them. And I think yeah. that's what makes the game so great is that you're really watching players out there that are just passionate about no, the sport. I, I completely agree. But let's get into the players. Yeah. I know we've mentioned them. I know we've mentioned you start them. Joe. I'll you start do yours. I'll do What's mine. your breakout player? Early early challenge cup breakout player right now. After so two games. I have an early challenge cup breakout player. And then I also have an undercover stud breakout player. So I'll All talk right. about keep your praise, players. keep your praise to five minutes tops. I know I love to praise you. Love, you love to praise. I do because they're such badass women. I just love it. So first off, Cece Kaiser. I've mentioned her name. I wish I knew her because I would say she's an amazing human being like I do. For we'll her. get her. We'll get her. We'll get her. We'll get her. Cece Kaiser, shout out. We'll get you in the I pod. mean, I've been pumping you this whole podcast. Too. I hope <laughs> you get on. I hope you hear this. Um, anyways, so let me, you know, statistician here. 13th overall pick out of Ole Miss an SEC program picked for Houston. And I think what's really interesting is she was not given a lot of opportunity in Houston. She was a sub that would come on for, you know, 20-ish minutes a game. And I try to do some research. I'm just remembering and recalling from when I, we played Houston three times and I was in the midfield. I think they were playing her in the midfield, maybe as a 10. I don't know. Someone may fact check me on that, but maybe wasn't utilized in the best, you know, her best position. And right now in this race in Louisville, I think she's done a home. She's found her, her the yeah. spot that she she's most effective at. Like I said before, she's going to face you up. She's going to dribble at you. She's going to make that slicing, penetrating pass. She's going to press. She's going to make that play. And not only does she have that athleticism, but she has a soccer IQ and the technical ability to execute on that on that soccer IQ. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm trying to, I got two players under, so I got to make sure I wrap this one up real fast, but I can't wait to watch her grow under racing mobile. Yeah. And I, you know, just to add Joe, I think like, it's, I don't know. It's a weird reference. Someone talked about this the other day. It's like, you know, the drafts coming up for football mm-hmm. and everyone's like, where, you know, these quarterbacks, where are they going to land? Where's where Justin? Where they going to land? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the funny part is, is like, it's really, it is really critical because it's like, talent's not enough, right? Like it's Patrick Mahomes is not winning. Like he's winning because he's just like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a system. He's a great team. The system matters. So it's like, it applies to every sport. Sam Darnold Darnold was not right right for the Jets. So you think about CeCe Kaiser and you're like a year ago, you wouldn't even, I mean, was she even playing? I mean, we're talking minimal impact, right? We're talking minimal impact and not getting as much opportunity. And now she's a starter in the league. It's like, I think that really matters. And and people need to consider that. And it's, it's important for players to think about that too, right? When you're making choices about where you want to be, it's um, obviously when you're drafted, it's different, but I think as now like players can shift and move, it it does matter where you land, but anyway, let me get into your next praise. Okay. So then you know, there are the goal scorers and that that'll be kind of someone hint, hint, wink, wink to who you're going to talk about, but there are the flashy players. Those, there are those players that make those flashy eye-catching plays, but then you have the undercover studs in my first son. I think that may be my next, that could be a, okay, we, we, we need a little like skit on that. We're going to get that. We're gonna I like that. that. Yeah. yeah. I, the I undercover like stud of the week, write that down. All Dorian right, I wrote it down. Bailey. 
I mean, I played with her at UNC. I was lucky. We can't. Okay, Joe, but we're not doing the UNC bias. Well, I'm just saying. This one is not, but. No, it is, but I played with her. And you don't realize what an impact she has until you are either very heightenedly aware of what she's doing or you play with her. So I obviously am going to look at her more, but I'm sure if you asked everybody on the Washington spirit, she is so vital to what they do. They want to play out of the back. They want to play. But if you don't have that linking player to link play between the back line in those amazing three forwards, you're useless. And Dorian does that. She links play. She allows the dynamic three of Hatch, Rodman, and Sanchez to do what they need to do. She allows them to be free because of her ability to find the pockets, her ability to cover so much ground, her, her deceptive speed. She always looks like she's going 80%, but like she's flying. She's just great with both feet. She's my undercover son of the week. Yeah, I'm giving you slack too. I'll be honest. I, it's pain, much as it pains me to say. It doesn't really pain me, but you know, just because you're annoying about UNC. But the, the 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 players, the UNC girls this year are doing very well in the league. I'll yeah. give you credit there. And, and yeah. Dorian, I will say to, you know, someone who's who's actually surprised me as well, because when you first brought it up, I was like, mm, UNC, I watched. Quality. quality. High quality. Um, it, just goes, it just goes, and I feel passionate about it because she's someone that's so humble and won't like say it herself. Right. And I she's think we're so, so freaking good. I just want everybody right. to know. I want everybody to know she's so good. I feel passionate about it. As you can tell, I'm a very, I feel like coach is coming out. My face is getting red. I'm feeling hot. Who's your it. player? Well, I also think because those are the players not getting highlighted by other yeah, exactly. Outlets. And we know yep. that. But, yep. uh, someone who is getting highlighted. Yes. <laughs> uh, and frankly, before I even start on her quality, kudos to her for being like, if you bring up my dad again, like, Oh yeah. 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 Kennedy Rodman is the OG. Like she literally clearly gets attention for her dad being a famous basketball player. But I think she's like, no, like I am me. I am my own player and like reference me for who I am, not for my association. Um, I think it was like someone said that they asked her question about her dad. And then she like talked about how influential her mom was. And like, you're a stud. But anyway, totally proving it and I think like I think about myself as a player at 19 like or 18 I think you said it's it's just it's astonishing her quality as a player already um I also love it because I think she's kind of a pioneer in the aspect of coming into the league and and you know I don't think college is for everyone um I don't really propose I don't think we're a sport necessarily that I wouldn't encourage college I think there's a lot of growth there but there are the few that have the opportunity and and it feel like they can have an influence like she has should take the opportunity to play. Um, clearly thus far, it's like a good choice for her to leave and come out early. Um, just really influencing the game. She's obviously done great in her first two matches, a goal and an assist, which that's all you can ask for for a forward, right? Like yeah. I was just talking about it before. It's like, she may not, um, impact a game consistently necessarily but she will find moments where she's a spark and you need that on the field right you need somebody that you know even it just shows her confidence level because right it's very easy as a forward if if your confidence is low you just hide in the corner the whole game it's like there's no productivity it's like even when she's not getting it her way she's still fighting and you saw that last game where it was like it, it wasn't as consistent as the game before but yet comes in uses her speed uses her technical ability 
and gets a great cross in and, and produces a goal uh, for them. Um, and I think what's interesting is like, I'll be honest, I knew she was very athletic. I didn't question her ability to get behind a back line, but I think her skill has been very, very interesting yep. to watch. I mean, her first goal, like that touch, I, well, it's hard. I get passionate about it because I'm like, you don't know unless you play how difficult that is. It seems so angelic when she just like traps mm -hmm. the ball, she scores, but I'm like, it takes a lot of repetition to be able to like control a ball like that, especially, oh, yeah. at, you know, at the angle in which it came in. Um, and I think like, you know, you, we wrote in the note, she doesn't just run and gun, right? Like that yeah. is literally my point about her is that she's not just gonna like outrun you. She can, like, you better be careful. She can use her feet. She's technical. Um, and the thing too is- she has a good IQ. You see her trying to be dynamic. It's not just like, let me hit the flank and run fast. And I think- She's trying to find space. And I think what's difficult too, for people to understand is to be able to go at such a high speed one, two, to be able to have the touch to then execute what that high IQ is seeing. Right. Combining those three elements. I mean, that's hard. I'm and telling you, I'm very curious to see her trajectory. Like I want to be back on this pod in three years being like yeah. our national team player. Like I wouldn't be yeah. shocked. Yeah. I mean, I think she was be 21. Like, come on, we're going to be like 30 years old. She's going to be like 20. I'm going to be like, oh I'm my gonna God. Be a, I'm going to be in like a, a I'm going to have Kids a like, my band. Yeah, have a she'll be like 22 going to a World Cup. Anyway. I know. I know. So go, moving on, moving on to another UNC Tar Heel since this podcast is. Well, can we say that yet? She committed. Yeah, that's a verbal. Let's not right. propose that those are solidified. It's also like, is that going to happen? I don't know, but let's then, let's tell the people. Who yeah, let's dive into it. So we want to talk about. Olivia, let me let me get this right. Moultrie. 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 Uh, Don't Moultrie. add an accent to it. Olivia Moultrie. Moultrie. No. Moultrie. No? No. Olivia okay. Moultrie. I'm sorry. Moultrie. Do you want me to do it in North Carolina talk? Come on now. Don't make fun of my accents when you are like. Don't make fun of my accent. All right. Anyway. So let me just. Let's give a little background. Should I do my around. stats? My notes. Yeah, do a little, let people know who Olivia is and Olivia, let's talk about why it's a relevant topic. Okay. Olivia Moultrie, she's from California. She's currently 16. She played, she was one of the first, I think the first female to play on a boys DA team before or before DA um, folded. She publicly committed to UNC at 11. God, too much UNC on this pod. I mm -hmm. actually go, but Honestly, if you're drinking while listening, take a sip every time you hear the words UNC. You'll be pretty excited at the end of yeah. drinking game. But she came to an ID camp my senior year, and I was able to, you know, for the full weekend, I was able to spend time with her, and I was able to watch her play. And granted, yeah. I know she was young. I know she was young when I saw her. But once again, we talk about that innate ability and, and she has that. So I won't get into it. I'll still go to that mode. She um, committed to UNC, publicly committed, like I said. Which is she 11. eligible? Let's be, let's just touch that. I'm not sure she's eligible anymore, but anyway, that's her plan currently. Yes. So she's, yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother, yeah, topic. Yeah. She announced in 2019 that she would turn pro at the age of 13. When she did that, she signed with Nike on a multi-endorsement right. arrangement. Which, it, that's murky now because keep in mind, 
players now in it's weird right because college is that like weird period where it's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah likeness yeah. so i don't yeah. know her eligibility yeah. issues but and anyway, it may not since, matter. since she's also prior to training with portland she's also trained with clubs in europe Bayern munich psg leon now she's currently and for i think the past obviously since 2019 has been training with the portland full team and the topic that I'm most curious to hear my more journalistic friend over here mm-hmm. and a little more nitpicky friend is she cannot play in an NWSL match. The NWSL permits players under the age of 18 from playing in the NWSL. Now, Tina, I kind of have strong feelings about this. If we are trying to put the best product out there on the field, why can't the best players play? If Europeans, and you see on the men's side, especially these youngsters going out and making appearances, right? You know, in the UEFA Champions League or in their you know domestic cup final or in in their league at such a young age, if you're freaking good enough, you should be allowed to play. There should not be a restriction on age. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the tough part about this is is interesting because, you know, when you think about it, and I'm not going to get too much into the legal jargon, but all I want to say on that is is essentially she is, she's basically using um, a platform to more or less say that the NWSL is going against antitrust law, um, by more or less discriminating against her because of her age and not allowing her to enter the league. Um, all I'll say on this, and, and I don't want to get too far into it because I'm not a lawyer. I do think at one point I'd love to get a lawyer on with us because I'd love my to brother. talk about this and then and the national team. Yeah, and we'll talk about this in the national team. But basically what I'm seeing is that correspondents from the NWSL um, and, other, and their counsel or their lawyers have basically indicated to her that if this went to court, they would leverage their single single entity um, status, which basically, to be presumptive, would basically say that they would win, more or less. She doesn't have as much of a legal case at the moment. I think there could be an argument about whether or not the end of a cell can really call themselves a single entity, but by law, that's kind yeah. of how they sit right currently. But again, I don't want to get too into that because that's, yeah. but I think I'm it's probably like, going to misspeak. I just want people to know that yeah. because I want them to understand that like, it's a tough battle for her legally. What my opinion on it is, is the, immediately who I thought of was Lindsay Horan. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting topic. Cause I'm like, I don't know what it is with the, this, these restrictions. I feel like it's like, you want to control, like, Lindsay Rand is a great example of somebody who was like college ain't for me. And I'm like, she was committed That's to your choice. She was committed to another UNC player. And I'm like, she went abroad, which is challenging. I mean, credit that girl credit to her for going abroad, you know, to France of anywhere. Um, and kind of grew up through what would be her college years playing professionally. And I think clearly has worked out well for her show on the national team. Now I'm pretty consistent on the national team. I'm kind of on your boat. Like, I'm like, if this girl, you know, if her talent's showing it, I'd rather give her the opportunity to like, at least entertain the rejection, right? Either she's going to get in or a coach is going to tell her you're not good enough yet. And then you exercise your, your options. I think what's frustrating is like, not to get into the bigger topic, but it's like this whole like 
pro versus amateur status, right? Because yeah. it's like, and luckily we're there yet, which is, we should have been there years ago, but it's like, she's only making money off her likeness, right? Yeah. Nike only wants her because like she's a stud and has good following and like is good at soccer. So it's like, it's she's not, not like she's leveraging or she's, she's excellent, but she's I'm excellent. saying, but she is young. No, Let, yes. Let's keep it. 16 is young, Joe. Yes. Like, yes, yes. I, I think she is good. I think she's also in a huge growth period. Yes. I would not be shocked if in five years, she's a completely different player and even better than she is now. Correct. Uh, but like anyone else, I think she should be a lot of the opportunity. And frankly, what's probably going to happen is she's probably going to get an opportunity in Europe because as everyone knows on the men's side, you're already at an academy or living abroad at like 13 and playing in and the think- in the youth groups to, to pursue this on a professional level. Exactly. I do a little different because you can't make money. Like, I think if you're advising someone, it's harder, right? Because you can't make money like the men do. So it's not as financially, like there's not, but I do think that's a choice, right? Like, who knows? She's 13 in five years. Maybe it is more financially lucrative. And it seems like at the level in which she's going, it is actually going to be very lucrative for her. But and she's got that opportunity. Portland is thin right now. Like they could use her. Like they could use her. They, they, they don't have that many options off the bench. She could, this could be, this could be an opportunity for her to make an impact. And yeah. I do see the, I mean, I think there has to be a level in which you still are kind of pushing someone to complete a high school degree. I think there would have to be some type of, in my opinion, like. I agree. No, I'm I'm like, I'm not against her playing, but I'm like, she should be pursuing school at the same time at 16. If they think they should, they can use her. I'm I'm all with you. Best player should play and like get her in there. Um, but I think it's a really interesting story moving forward. And I'll be curious to see how it goes. You know, we're gonna, I, I think that's a good idea. At least you get your brother on. I would love to see, yeah. uh, we'll get some information in front of him and see how her, her legal case goes. But uh, I think more than anything, what's exciting about it is you're seeing that kind of talent very young, which is important for our youth levels. And um, it's exciting and it's kind of rewarding for me personally, I feel, because like we've talked about, you know, when I grew up, all I looked up to was like a Mia Hamm, Brandy Chastain, like there was three or four people. And it wasn't like I looked up to them like that could be my career. It was kind of like just as an idol, as a sports fan. And now it's like, there's girls who are like 16 that are like, I can go pro. Yeah. Whether or not that's realistic or it happens, it's like to even have that goal, it shows me we're progressing and it makes me really excited as not only a former player, professional player, but as a fan. Yeah. Um, and I hope there's more like her. Yeah, so. I do too. I'm I'm interested to see how that how it all uh, pans out. All right. Well, we have a fun little ender here. Um, everyone knows it was National Dog Day, or I'm sorry, National Pet Day. We do not discriminate on the pod. No. National Pet Day. So we said, who's the current current cutest dog? And to be fair, Joanne has a doggy. He's Lucy not included in this. Lucy is of course the cutest for this. He is our still recovering top doggy. She's still recovering. Doggy. She's our she's, she's our, our dog doggy. Um, Twop is in. Sorry, I called her our Twop doggy. Twop two washes one pro. I don't want to think people think I'm saying something different, but yeah. Twop that's what we are. Twop. Two wash ups one pro. Anyway, for me, it's got to be Winston. Danny Colaprico, you got all my love, girl. I just I'm in love with that dog. I I, I she see. She posted a picture of him today. I know oh. today, and I was like, you know, this Bushki is just so cute. She's the dog is like Danny, but a doggy, and it's just like <laughs> I'm so happy because I'm like this little fluff ball. Like I just know how much happiness 
he brings her. So I'm like, it makes me happy as her friend. Um, and then you know what? Crystal Dunn shout out with chickens, like respect. That is like not, I don't know. If, I've had friends who have, that's a lot of work. Yeah. I don't know if it's like her, her husband, they got someone handling that, but like way to go outside the box and like pull that out and wait for the way to post that stuff on social media. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go, oh, speaking of our uh, dog of the day, Lucy's actually currently barking right now. She hears us. She does. She hears, she's jealous. She's like, she wants yeah. to be on the pod. Yeah. Um, so my pet, and it was so cutest pet, is Gabby Seiler's Golden Retriever Thor. Ooh. I know. It's out of the blue, but it's really not. Gabby I've known for ages, so obviously I follow her on the gram, keep up with her. And Thor is a golden retriever, beautiful coat. Oh, they're the cutest. Just, I mean, he's perfectly manicured. I mean, stunning dog and just precious. And the way that she captures him on social media is just perfect. So Gabby and Thor, you win my vote for sure. Excluding Lucy. But also, I'm sure, no, no, but I, think, I, think Thor and, the- I think Thor and Lucy would be friends. For sure they would. For sure. For sure. I think Winston would love Lucy as well. I, I do too. And I think yeah. Crystal's chickens would too. Lucy would be scared sure. of them. Lucy would yeah, be to be fair, them. I think the chickens would dominate all those dogs. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I will say there the fun fact. Like, Wait, oh. The fun, a fun fact for the league, I think people don't realize that there's a lot of dog moms. Oh, yeah. Hashtag dog moms equals NWSL players. Like Maybe work on that hashtag, but yes. Hashtag dog moms, what do you mean? Ha- but dash NWSL players. Equals, NWSL. I said. NWSL dog moms. Hashtag okay, sorry, Joe. NWSL dog Hashtag NWSL dog moms. There we go. We'll get it out there on Twitter. Yeah. Either way, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And I love it. We're here to celebrate They're just them. like fun furry animals. Exactly. Um, but I'm excited for this next week of games. This yeah. has been exciting. I love that soccer's back. And I'm just so happy, like, I've always wanted one of these. Guys, we, you watch, we put this up and it all like sounds bad. I hope this sounds good. I hope it sounds better. We invested a lot of money in our equipment. So we're excited to bring this next pod to you and all the pods after. We love you. joining us week two. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Two washups, one pro. Toodaloo.